this is the last of, our, of this series, uh, Planted. Um, let me just take a hard, hard turn here, so just hang with me, okay? We'll go slow toward that. Um, and we've been talking about agriculture for many weeks and the parables of scripture and the depth of our misunderstandings or our lack of understanding around agriculture because we aren't farmers, most of us. I think all of us, we don't have any farmers, anybody that makes a living. We have some, some hobby farmers among us and uh, we know some farmers, but this isn't a part of our life anymore. And so we've missed a lot of the teachings and the learnings and the understanding that is found in the agricultural life of reaping and sowing and harvesting and growing and what's in the soil and the death of a seed and what causes it to grow, all of these things. And so we spent the last six weeks digging into this. Uh, today is a little bit different. What, what I want to do, I, I want to take all the things that we've learned and synthesize them a bit. I want us to think hard about the, the parables that we've talked about, the teachings from Scripture. Trent's message last week, if you weren't here, you ought to hop online and listen to it. Um, all of it together, and I want to ask you four questions, okay, before we're done. And I'm, this is my conviction. I, I'm absolutely certain that all four of these questions are not for you, all four, but I bet one of them is. I bet one of them might push you a little further and, and cause you to really ponder and reflect. And what, what I want you to do before we're done today is to pick one of these questions and just take it with you and, and just ponder it. Maybe jot down your phone, maybe you've got a good enough memory, but I want you to wrestle with it, I want you to look at it, I want you to maybe read some of the stuff that we have dug into over the last uh, month or so, and I want you to ask God some questions about it, I want it to be sort of a, uh, a catalyst or, or a burr under your saddle or whatever it needs to be to get you to think hard about all of these things that we've been digging into, okay? So there's four questions, you have my permission to ignore three of them. You pick, okay? Uh, but one of them I'd like for you to take with you, okay? Here's the first one that I'd like for you to consider. And it's based on this parable of the sower. We spent more time talking about the seed and the sower than we did the soils. But the parable of the four soils or the parable of the sower is really what kicked this whole series off. And you know, there's, there's, some, there's some soil on the path. It's dead pan, hard pan soil. There's rocky. There's, there's some around the weeds. There's, but it, the soil that we want to focus on, of course, is the, the good soil. And when Jesus describes the sower going out to sow his seed, he eventually tells us the story in the story and in the explanation of the parable that there is some good soil, and you get to decide what that good soil is, and that good soil receives the seed, and when it receives the seed, some beautiful things happen. It begins to grow, and then there's a harvest that is many, many, many times the number of seeds that hit the soil. And the question that you want to wrestle with a little bit as you ponder the parable of the sower is this one. What type of soil am I? Am I the type of person, am I the type of individual that receives a teaching or a new understanding of scripture or something that God is saying to me and God speaks in a thousand different ways? Am I the type of person that receives it and then it has this, this place where it can uh, be, be dark and damp and the nutrients are necessary that are there, and it begins to grow. Something, something multiplies with it. What type of soil am I? It's a question that's, that's worth asking. Okay, so Jesus tells the story. He says, still there's other seed that fell on the good soil. 
and where it produced a crop, 160, 30 times what was sown. And then he says this, say it with me, whoever has ears, let them hear. And so this is the good soil that Jesus describes in the parable of the sower. And there's a harvest and it's plentiful, but Jesus describes this good soil and then he talks about hearing in the middle of it. In other words, there's some things being said and I don't know if it's hitting you or not. I don't know if God's truth is finding a good place where it can take root and then produce this incredible crop. When Jesus teaches this and he begins to explain it because the, the, it was this parable, the disciples came to him and said, why are you always telling stories that make no sense? That was, that's my translation. What they're saying is, why do you teach us in parables and they're confusing? And Jesus says, well, I, I can tell you what the parable means. And so he does. And when he explains it in the gospel of Luke, same parable, he tells us very plainly that the seed is the what? Now this word, logos, refers to the word of God in a lot of different ways. It can mean the written word. It can mean something that you pick up and you read. And I, you've done this before. I, I know this has been the case for many of us online as well. You've opened up the Bible and you've thought, you know what, I know I've read this passage a hundred times, but I've never seen that word before. I've never heard it said that way. I, I, this is, it feels like it's brand new to me. Has that ever happened to you? Let me see your hands. Happened to you? Okay. Sometimes you've read the Bible and you went, this makes no sense at all. I mean, has that happened to you? Okay, very good. If both haven't happened to you, then you know, you should probably go buy a Bible or something because both, both happen to anybody who, read, who reads the Bible. That Both of these things happen. Sometimes we hear and see the word and it means something deep and meaningful to us, good soil, and sometimes it just bounces off. Could be the day, could be what you had for dinner last night, could be your mood, could be the fight you just had with somebody you love. It doesn't matter, but there are times when I believe, as we pay attention to this parable, God is asking us, are you, are you good soil? Are you good soil? The seed is the word of God. It could be spoken. It could be something you hear read. It could be that you experience it through the lyric of a song or a conversation with somebody else. But it is the word of God from us to you. Not doesn't mean that it has to be from the Bible. In fact, the scriptures teach us that God is speaking all the time. But Jesus explains this, that the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who what? Hears the word and? So there's something going on. This beyond just being in church, beyond checking the box on maybe a daily experience with God or maybe even catching up on your Bible reading in the Bible app. There's something beyond it. I, I, I hear it and I understand it. And God is always speaking. He's always speaking. I, I promise, if you feel distant from God, it's because we're busy or we've crowded him out of our lives. If we don't hear God speaking, it's not because he isn't speaking, it's because we don't have ears to hear. In fact, the, the psalmist says this, that the heavens proclaim God's goodness, that the, the, the skies are always proclaiming his righteousness, his goodness. In Psalm 19, the second verse says this, day after day, they, the heavens, pour forth speech and night after night they reveal knowledge. And so there's hearing and knowing and understanding that God is always speaking. I find this when I'm with people that experience creation differently than me. I, I, when I hike, I have a view and the view I usually have is of my feet. 
Do you do this when you hike? I'm afraid I'm a fall. That's why I'm afraid I'm a trip on something because I'm a clumsy fella. But I'm always doing this. And when I hike with Donna, she says, oh, look at that. Oh, look at, look at that. Look at, now she does this when I'm driving too, which creates all kinds of problems. <laughs> but, uh, cause you know, when you're driving, damage happens a lot quicker and a lot more, you know, there's a lot of it. But when we're walking and hiking, I'm forever watch, watching the ground. I get a great view of the ground when I'm hiking. But then Donna says, look, look. And it will be spring. And she'll point to a little group of flowers. And it will be everything kind of, you know, that beautiful Colorado brown, except for this, this patch of flowers. And it's just incredible to see. And she says, did you see it? And I always think the same thing. I mean, if I wasn't hiking with you, I wouldn't have seen it. But I saw it. I see it. And God is saying, the other day we were hiking, saw these flowers, and the verse that came to mind for me was this, this moment in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, why are you anxious? Why are you worried? Look at the, what? Look at the flowers. They neither toil nor spin. And I thought, oh my goodness. They are revealing knowledge. The flowers that Donna pointed my eyes to, they are pouring forth speech. The anxiety I felt was I had many things to concern myself about. But seeing a flower in creation made me think, uh, I can trust God. He's got that flower. He'll take care of me. I can trust him. In other words, he who has ears, what? Let them hear. Let them hear. And let them see. And let them absorb. In other words, most of the time when I'm looking at my feet and staring at the dirt and watching the rocks go past my steps, I miss. I'm not good soil. I'm not good soil. But Jesus says that the seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. In other words, in the context of good soil, there are a couple things happening. The first is listening, paying attention. In fact, God is speaking all the time. He's speaking to you right now, probably not through me, probably through something that needs to be on your mind at the moment or something that happened this morning that you brushed aside or a feeling that you ignored. God is speaking. He's speaking to you now. He's always speaking. And we're listening. But then we're also what? We're learning. This is the picture of good soil. Good soil is in one place. It's down in the earth. It's low. It's full of humus or what the farmer, the educated farmer would say is inert soil. There's, there's nothing to it. There's nothing in it. It's there to receive all of the nutrients that organic matter can bring to soil. That's, that's good humus human or from the earth and so there is a another word connected to all of this that we embrace when we're listening and we're learning and it's the simple word humility in other words we we come we come open-handed good soil is ready to learn good soil is absolutely convinced that they don't have all the answers Good soil is convinced that there is something more to be given, something more to receive, something more to hear, something more to learn. What kind of soil am I? Where do we learn? Well, we learn from Scripture. 
We learn from each other. We learn from the sky above us. We learn from the flowers bursting through the ground. We learn from every circumstance possible. We learn when we try to exercise and find our limits. We learn when we have friction in a relationship and someone tells us what it's like to be in relationship with us and we hear it and think, well, that can't be true except that is their deal, and we now find out that we are abrupt or angry or selfish. And in humility, we listen and we learn. This is what good soil does. Look, if you ask this question and you're not sure, it's a metaphor that's a little slippery to you, there's another question that will easily be answered if you're good soil. And the question that you might wrestle with that you should have a ready answer for almost any time is this question here below. What has God been teaching you lately? It's a great question. And if you have to scratch your head and make something up or you know, if you have to wrestle with that for hours before you come up with an answer, then there's probably a good indicator that we could be a little bit better in terms of soil. But most of you, many of you, would have a ready answer to that question. And what that means is, is that, well, I'm probably some soil where some seed has fallen and taken root and beginning to grow. So what has God been teaching you lately? In other words, where's been the spot where he's been speaking, you've been hearing, and you've been humble enough to listen and learn, and he's been guiding you and leading you along the way? If you can answer that question, then you're headed in the right direction. You're headed in good places. God is doing something with the seed that's hit the soil of your life and the soil of your heart. What's God been teaching you lately? And it might take you a little while. Maybe you're not as good with words. Maybe you're good with thoughts or ideas, but that's a question that you ought to wrestle with a bit. That's the first question. What soil am I? That one might be for you. It might be, but it might not. So here's, a, here's another one. The second question of the morning is this. Am I in need of some fertilizer? So you remember the parable, the owner of the vineyard, if you remember right, the owner of the vineyard comes up to a fig tree and this fig tree has been there for three years and it hasn't been bearing fruit. And he says, I'm so mad, I'm gonna cut this thing down. And the gardener comes along and says, you know, don't, don't, don't cut it down yet. Don't cut it down yet. Now, it makes sense that he would be expecting fruit. It's been there three years after three years. Any fig tree should be bearing some kind of fruit, and it wasn't, so he's a little perturbed about it, but it's there, it's planted, it's probably growing. It's in leaf, I would suppose. That's why he expected some fruit when he walked up to it. But the gardener says, you know what, don't, don't cut it down yet. He says this, sir, the man replied, this is the gardener speaking to the owner, owner, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it, and what? and fertilize it. I love that in his parables, Jesus included a parable about fertilizer. The, the original word, the original word in the text, uh, fertilizer is probably the most, uh, you know, gentlemanly way to say it. Um, but as the King James says, uh, it's, it's dung. We're going we're to fling some dung about. That's what he says. If you were here for that sermon, then you remember that phrase. We're going to fling some dung about it and make it happen. Now, I, we, we said, we ended that week about this parable regarding this story and the fertilizer for you to ponder the question of what kind of fertilizer do I need? In other words, what is it if I find myself in a place where I don't have a lot of fruit, where I'm missing some fruit? In other words, I'm impatient or I'm unkind 
or I am anxious, or I am unloving, not all the time, maybe just in spots, but maybe some of those things, maybe it's all the time pretty much. Or maybe only when they get tested, I find myself without some fruit. I can fake it on most days, but when push comes to shove, a little friction in the world, and then I find myself without one of those really helpful qualities that shows the life of Jesus in me. When I find myself without some fruit, what's the deal? What happens? And you may have been taught in your church world that, well, if you don't bear fruit, you get cut off. Not true. Even John 15 doesn't mean that. When Jesus is describing the vineyard, in fact, if you remember right, this this fig tree is in a vineyard, which was common in Jerusalem and in the area. This fig tree was planted in a vineyard. They coexist beautifully together, fig trees and and vine, uh, grapevines. John 15 says, any fruit that, any vine that doesn't bear fruit, your translation probably says, I cut it off. That's not really what the translation is or should mean. In fact, that word in the Greek is very clear that it can mean negatively that I cut it off or positively or restoratively that I lift it up and clean it off. This is the picture of a vine that's in the dirt. No vine that's stuck down in the dirt can grow any any fruit that's worth harvesting. And so this vineyard owner I don't believe came along to cut off vines. Every vine dresser knows that every vine has the capability of growing fruit. And so he's going to lift it up and clean it off and give it a chance. And here's how I know John 15 means that because of this parable. Because elsewhere Jesus says to a tree that has not borne any fruit for three years, let's give it another shot. Let's give it a chance. Let's see what can happen. So let's fling some dung about it, dig around it, we'll fertilize it, and see if it grows some fruit. Let's wait and see. And I believe this is Jesus' posture with you, even when you find yourself fruitless. But when you are fruitless, you might need a little fertilizer. And so the question that you ought to ask if you find yourself without much fruit is, do I need some fertilizer? I think this metaphor takes two different roads. The first is the fertilizer that we might need the things that we add to our life to bring about growth, good relationships, a study, a a way to engage with serving others that can get our mind off our own predicament. All of these things that we choose ourselves to engage in that can kind of stir up the soil of our heart and bring about some good things, whether it's selflessness or kindness or giving or generosity or learning and listening, becoming good soil, All of these things create learning and growth. It's the fertilizer that we pick. That's the fertilizer. So you may need some of that. If you've isolated yourself, you probably need some relationships where some people can speak truth into your life and you can kind of see things differently. If you haven't had any intake of scripture, then you probably need to increase your consumption a little bit so that your heart has a chance to become good soil for the word of God. All of these things are true. And so maybe you need a little fertilizer if you find yourself without some fruit, new spiritual discipline, relationships, serving, all kinds of things. These are good things to add, and it's the fertilizer that we bring to the story. However, there's another kind of fertilizer that we ought to mention before we go any further. And while you ponder this question, 
There's a fertilizer that comes into our life that we did not want, we did not invite, we would have avoided it, we have rejected it, we try to minimize it. Well, it's just the fertilizer. And probably the old King James word is most helpful for us to understand it when it comes into our life in this way. It's just a bunch of dung. It's awful. It's horrible. Things that happen to us, not that we pick, not that we choose, and we will avoid it if we could. In other words, we would say it this way. Into each of our occasionally unfruitful lives must come a substantial amount of manure. This is true. And it's so true, it is deeply embedded in the context of Scripture. And it is taught over and over and over again. Probably the best way to say it would be this. Manure happens. (laughs) So... Do with that whatever you would like. This is what I like about how Beth Moore says it. Beth Moore, good Southern girl, Baptist girl. Here's how she says it. Nobody told me a remotely productive life would involve quite so much manure. That's why I'm telling you, if you want to live an immensely fruitful life, you will have to deal with substantial piles of it. I wish I could tell you otherwise, but we both know better. It seems like this is synonymous with the fruit that is described all through Scripture. And you know this is true. I bet you can attribute some of the most fruitful seasons of your life to some of the most difficult seasons of your life that you did not invite welcome or cause it was somebody else somebody else's thing some other circumstances some other ways that you found yourself into somebody else's mess or difficulty and what came as a result some of the most incredible growth that you had no idea and if you had to you wouldn't live it over again but if you've had enough time to reflect on it you might even have come to the place where you can say if I could go through it again for what has been the result the harvest on the far end I would actually experience it again because God has taught me so much through it I promise you search your your history and your mind and your heart and you will recognize that it has been this type of experience that we're describing that has been the fertilizer that has caused so much growth in your life. Hardship, difficulty, struggle. It's been a thousand unwanted experiences and yet God does something incredible through it. Why would that matter? Or why would this be important for us to point out? This is so critical. And I want you to grab it, and I want you to understand it, and I want you to embrace it and at least hold it for a while and see if it doesn't resonate with you. This truth is something that only comes deeply and thoughtfully as you embrace the circumstances that you're in and the people that God brings into your life, even if it's unwanted. She goes on to say this. This is the rest of her quote. 
uh, is, is from a book about vineyards and growth and fruitfulness. From my personal experience and observation, there are plenty of people willing to provide the manure for you. Can I get an amen? Anybody, amen? Okay, just checking. You don't have to go out looking for it. It will find you. And sometimes it is just a shovel full here and there. And other times you'll feel like a truck just unloaded it on you. This is why this matters. When this happens in your life, unwanted experiences that are, you, again, the, the fertilizer metaphor has two paths. One, stuff we pursue and add and encourage and bring about in our life. But then this whole other pile of manure that comes our way that we, we would say it's uninvited, unwelcome, and we would not want it as a part of our experience. When this happens in your life, the critical nature of this means that your perspective, my perspective through all of this deeply impacts and is directly proportional to what kind of listening and what kind of learning happens in that process. In other words, if you want to be good soil, then the scriptural perspective on all of this is absolutely essential. And if you don't have it, well, you'll just go kicking and screaming and God will have to use another pile of manure to teach you the same lesson that you could have learned the first time. I promise. This is what James says. It's all through scripture. Once you look, you can't not see it. Dear brothers and sisters, when what? Troubles of any kind, or we could say fertilizer, come your way, consider it an opportunity for what? You think that's laughable. This seems utterly preposterous, doesn't it? But James says it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit with the most straight face he can muster. Troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Why? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to what? This is what fertilizer does. It causes growth. The difficulty in your life causes growth. And James says that when any troubles of any kind, doesn't matter what they are, there is a chance for you to experience great joy. In fact, James is describing somebody who on one side of trouble sees the mess coming, and as that mess comes their way, they say, you know what, I'm so excited about this, I can't hardly stand it. Because I know that good things are going to result from it. And as ridiculous, as ludicrous, as preposterous as this seems to us, James says, this will give you a chance to become somebody that you aren't quite yet. That's the opportunity in front of you. And if that's a little wordy for you, then the author of Hebrews makes it a little more simple for you. Here's what the author of Hebrews says. Endure hardship is what? Not punishment. Punishment is one thing. Discipline is a teacher. Discipline is the same root word as disciple or a learner. So I'm going to endure any hardship as an opportunity for me to learn. Here's how important this is and how critical it is. Because I know, I, I know some of your stories, I know what some of you are going through, and I know some of what's behind you, and I know some of what's ahead of you. If we adopt this understanding, 
then we are building into our understanding of how God works or our theology an understanding of suffering. And most people do not have a theology of suffering that allows for this understanding of what God is up to. God does not mess around with suffering. He doesn't waste it. It isn't pointless. It isn't just because we live in an evil world. It isn't just because the world isn't heaven and someday we can have a place with it. That is not what suffering is about. There is a deep theology in scripture for an understanding of how suffering comes about and what it brings about in our life and it is centered around these ideas. And so when some manure comes flowing your way, when some hardship happens in your life, when your circumstances are different than you wish they were, God is using that to shape your picture of other people, how deeply you love, where fruit can come from, where patience can spring forth, where joy can actually be real and enduring, where anxiety isn't the order of the day, where peace can actually reign the way Jesus described it. I don't give you peace as the world gives, he says. The peace I give will last. And so the question that we're gonna wrestle with is, am I in need of some fertilizer? Some of you can go get it or you can wait on it, you know. Um, it, it, it's, you know, there's nothing like it driving through the uh, back roads of Kansas and the wind blows a certain way and you start thinking, oh my goodness, somebody just spread some fertilizer. <laughs> and when that happens, that smell can take you back to this moment when God is doing something good in your life and he has dug so deep against your roots and he has put some stuff down there that is gonna help you grow in some powerful ways. So do you need to go find it? Do you need to change your perspective on what's happening to you right now? Which is it? It's one of the two. We all need a little fertilizer. If you're gonna be good soil, it's absolutely required. Those two questions are the biggest ones, but there's two more very quickly that may be something that you need to hear as well. I don't know. You're going to just one. One's all you get, okay? One's all you get. What am I sowing? The scriptural principle around agricultural life is the most basic idea is that sowing and reaping are intimately connected. And this idea is in every world, life, religious, philosophy, you name it. Doesn't matter. It's there, I promise you. The most recent label that this has been given is manifesting. Who's read a little bit about manifesting? Anybody? Oh, come on. Some of you have. You're gonna try to manifest some things in your life. This is reaping and sowing given a new name. Back in the 90s, it was called the secret. All of these things are tied to the very same spiritual, scriptural, Deeply embedded, natural, agricultural idea that exists. What am I sowing? In fact, it says it this way in Galatians. For you reap whatever you sow. And so some of you are reaping some things right now in your life that you do not want to be reaping. You don't like it. It's coming your way and you think, this, is not, this can't be my fault. I don't know what happened. It's relationship strife. It's financial trouble. It's you name it. I'm, I'm, I'm reaping some things and I don't want it. And I don't know why it's here and I don't want it to be a part. Some of it might be some fertilizer, right? That you want to do away with. Scripturally speaking, the idea that you need to grasp, if you understand this verse, it's very simple and it's this. If you don't like what you're reaping, then change what you're sowing. 
That's it. That doesn't mean you immediately get something back. Nobody does that. Does, no, every farmer in the world knows that sometimes you've got to sow a lot before you reap anything. But if you do not like what you're reaping, then change what you're sowing. It's important. You can't sow relational discord and get back love. You cannot sow suspicion and get back trust. You can't. You cannot sow judgment and get back unconditional love. You can't do it. Every law, natural and spiritual, will prevent you getting exactly what you want. If you don't like what you're reaping, then change what you're sowing. So, some of you need to ask this question. The last one, it's the fourth one. How much margin do I have? We haven't talked about this in this series at all. It's a new idea, but it's an important one, and it is agriculturally critical to understanding what it means to reap and sow and then harvest. Margin is this unused space in your life. It's the, sp- it's the space on the page that has no writing, no time, no commitments. It's the space in your life where you have free space to allow God to work, time to do its thing, for the seed to split in half and begin to sprout, margin means that you have not planned all of your commitments, all of your energy, and use all of your resources to their nth degree or beyond. That's what margin is. And agriculturally speaking, margin is absolutely critical if you want to have a harvest. If you don't operate under the principle of margin or what they would call in the Old Testament the principle of a fallow field, then you will see your yields decrease every year. This is what it says in the Old Testament. This was part of the law that was handed down. Plant and harvest your crops for what? But let the land be renewed and lie uncultivated during the what? Can you imagine being a farmer and being told, you can have six years of harvest, but the seventh year you can't. So, I mean, if you're a wealthy farmer, you can rotate your crops, right? But if you're not, if you need your land and you need it all, all six years, you're going to be putting a little bit back, a little bit back, a little bit back and saving. You're not going to use all that you have. You're going to have some margin in your harvest so that you have room for it. This allows the poor among you to harvest whatever grows on its own, leaves the rest for wild animals to eat, and the same applies to your vineyards and olive groves. A horticulturalist, an agriculturalist, those who understand soil will tell you that if you don't leave soil to be fallow for a period of time, that it cannot be replenished with nutrients. If you don't leave soil to be fallow for a period of time, then the pests that have inhabited the land will always have something to feed on and they will only grow stronger and stronger and stronger. A fallow field means that the pests are starved and they die off and they make nice, nice humus, nice humus, dead pests do. The, the, the principle is deep and extensive. It's related to the principle of the Sabbath. And so if you don't have a Sabbath, a time when you do not work, when you have space and margin to rest and recreate then you will find that your yield will continually decrease over time. And so the question that some of you will wrestle with today 
is the question around margin. How much margin do I have? So I don't know which question you wanna, you wanna go with today, but it's one of the four. So here's what I want you to do. Josh is gonna come up, band's coming up. They're gonna give us uh, a moment of reflection and music and some lyrics to help us walk with these today. But I want you to ask God right now, online, right here in this room, Lord, which question do you want me to focus on? Which one stands out to me? Some of you already know. Let me guide you through a prayer. You don't even have to close your eyes for this prayer. You can stare. Maybe you already know the question and you're gonna, you're gonna pray about it and be thoughtful about it already. So Lord, as we consider all of these agricultural ideas and principles and the laws of nature that we are experiencing, we realize that we can step into the cycles of nature that already exist and move with your rhythms and your flow or we can push against it. Some of us, Lord, are trying to reap things we haven't sown. Some of us, Lord, are a hard soil that um, doesn't receive truth, lacks humility. Listening and learning is not our forte. We have insecurities that get in the way, pride that rears its head. Lord, for some of us, this issue of margin screams at us because we have this belief that if we are not productive, we are not worthy. Lord, right now I can think of a dozen families in our fellowship, in our community, that have had a, a dump truck of fertilizer unwanted fertilizer in their life. And as hard as it is to change our perspective, our hope and our prayer is that we would embrace the thoughts of Scripture, that we would be good soil in this way, and that we would uh, consider it pure joy, that we would at a minimum learn to view suffering as a gift from you that we would endure hardship as discipline. And in all of this, Lord, we are reminded of the, the two-sentence parable about the mustard seed. That, Lord, if our hope is uh, a little thin today, if our hope maybe is not existent, that we remember what your son said about this smallest of seeds that is planted in soil, and grows to become one of the largest plants. So we ask that that seed would be in us today, this, this humble mustard seed, that we would fertilize it, watch it grow. Lord, so we believe this idea of scripture that it is up to you to bring that growth. You bring the fruit. It's up to us to be good soil, humble, listening, learning sowing the right things, eventually reaping a harvest, but the harvest comes from you, Lord. And so for each of us in this place today, we open our hands to you. Help us to walk away with one of these questions in my heart, in each of our hearts, that we may reflect and ponder. Because our hope and our prayer is that we walk into this world this week 
And if we would magnify the joy, the love, the unconditional grace and mercy of your son, Jesus. We believe that he is making all things new. That includes us and those we have been called to love. So Lord, may we magnify you today and all of this week.